Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society. Nothing but facts live stream. We do have, do have an announcement. Okay, and I'm going to record this on my own phone. Okay, here we go. Assalamu alaikum everyone. We have an announcement. Alhamdulillah. Thanks to uh, the help of a lot of people, we were able to get my uh, Twitter handle back. Uh, I had prayed to Allah to stop arguing on Twitter. Allah took away my Twitter handle for a month. How much was it? How long was it? Maybe a month or so. I'm telling you, it felt great not to argue with people on Twitter. So I'm going to try to stick to that commitment. Let's see how long it lasts. But the Twitter handle is back, and this video is to make that official. So that if you're... um, Nobody should now be getting any other messages from my Twitter handle. I don't even know... My in, the inbox didn't even have messages outgoing, so I don't even know what the purpose was of the this hack. Maybe just a bot got in there, um, but doesn't seem like there was any bad activity. So Alhamdulillah, it is back, and I'll be checking it regularly now. All right, so I just recorded that video. We'll put it up there soon, but that's the first uh, piece of of news for 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 the day for whoever it's relevant for. I guess it's relevant to me, but uh, today's subject is the affairs of the Ummah, okay? The affairs of the Ummah is today's subject, and the affairs of the Ummah is something the Prophet said, he's not one of us whom, whoever does not care about the affairs of the Ummah, okay? Or, uh, the exact wording is, al-ihtimam, uh, the Prophet used that word. Okay, meaning you're not fulfilling your role as a Muslim correctly if you're um, if you're not concerned with the affairs of of the Muslims, uh, and it is an affair of the Muslims. So we do have a situation here with uh, two countries that massive massive countries, and I would say. People who, Pakistan is a country that has done so much for the English-speaking world that any Muslim in the uh, English-speaking world is going to have a lot of connection to the people of Pakistan. Okay, so um, we're going to begin with Imran Khan first, and then we're going to go to Erdogan, okay? I know people who hate Erdogan so much that I tell them, please, you're overdoing this, right? Turks, they hate him so much that they've, they hate the whole Islamist, you know, politics that um, they, they're really, uh, to me, it sounds like they're overdoing it. It's like, you can't hate that much, especially when someone is in the fold of Islam, there has to be limits on these things. All right, so the first article. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Let's see if I'm logged in for this. Yes, I am. Let's go to the New York Times. All right. Basics, assuming nobody knows anything. I have no political slant here. Okay. Imran Khan, New York Times. Okay. Authored by Christina Goldbaum and Matt Big. That's his name, Matt Big. Okay, sounds like a football coach or something. 
Imran Khan, who was arrested on corruption charges on Tuesday, was elected as prime minister in 2018. Again, this is just the news for people who don't know anything about this, okay? And there's not going to be much analysis, all right? Uh, when he ran as a nationalist promising to fight corruption, he re- reviving the country's economy, maintaining an independent foreign policy, and he distanced himself from the United States. His arrest significantly escalated a political crisis in the country, raising the prospects of mass unrest by his supporters. All right, let's take a look at his background. He's born to a rich family in Lahore, Pakistan, educated at Oxford University. He's now 70 years old. That dude's 70? Bro, he looks like he's like 58 or something, 56. It must be the athlete in him that's keeping um, physically fit. Okay, so he he rose to international uh, prominence in the 70s as a cricket star. Then he married a British heiress, Jemima Goldsmith. A year later, he tried to parlay his popularity from cricket and he led Pakistan to win the only World Cup of cricket that it's ever won. Do you know the year? 1992. Okay. All right. Cricket is a sport that I had not. That they must have explained it to me like four times in, in England when I was in England. I couldn't really uh, wrap my head around it. Right. Um, but it's, it's British baseball, essentially. That's what it is. Uh, he then now parlayed that into a political career. What is all this gambling language? Parlay. You only hear it in the gambling commercials, right? He established his own party, Pakistan Tahrik Insaf, Movement for Justice. As a politician, he portrayed himself as a reformer, offering an alternative to Pakistan's entrenched political dynasties. For a decade, he struggled to make political inroads and was mocked for his ambitions. Oh, you can't stop guys like this. He knows that all you have to do is keep pecking. You keep pecking, you're going to get there. Same thing. Like you're studying Arabic, you don't even need to be smart. You don't even have to have anything except a nonstop. You just keep pecking at it. You keep pecking. You keep pecking. No matter what happens, irrationally, right? You're going to get to your, your, your goals. And that's what he did. So they made fun of him. They laughed at him. They shooed him off. Well, look, he ended up as a president. By 2011... He started to get momentum. Hundreds of thousands were attending his rallies. He was a great speaker. Okay. Populist, anti-corruption, anti-American. By then, Mr. Khan had embraced a pious form of Islam. And he sought to transform his personal image. Sought to transform. Maybe he was transforming. Just, right. In 2018, he married a third time, Bushra Bibi. Okay. Uh, He had married... Jemima Goldsmith, and this had ended in a divorce, and he was uh, briefly married to a broadcast journalist, Riham Khan. Hello, who's this? Hello? No, no, I can't talk right now. After winning the backing of military leaders, Mr. Khan became prime minister in 2018. Okay. You got to get those military leaders behind your back. Who has the biggest guns? That's essentially... um, All right. That's essentially the whole thing. I'm just reading you the articles. No, I'm not making any conclusions because I'm I'm not up for upsetting anybody. 
just given general Muslims out there who have no clue about Pakistan, you need to know about Pakistan because if you're in the Western Hemisphere, guaranteed your life as a Muslim will intersect with people. Whoever, what is important to another Muslim, at least we have to give it something, right? And it's a big issue in the Ummah. It's worldwide news, global news. So he got the backing of military leaders and he became the prime minister in 2018. Many of his rivals accused the military of manipulating the election in his favor. Okay. He ushered in a new foreign policy moving away from the U.S. closer to Russia and China. Now, why was he arrested? Oh, by the way, Russia and China are not some innocent people either. Just like anti-American is like the big deal. Or we love anti-American. Be careful who you're replacing them with. I'm telling you, Guantanamo, there were people is one of the worst crimes that the U.S. has done, right? It's over 700 people there for decades without a charge against them. You know that that number is a fraction of what all these other countries do, right? You're lucky you're not dead and disappeared with no documentation. We in the United States, let's compare our crimes with the crimes of these other nations, not just hating on America just because it's the power right now. There's our worst powers out there, like the British, the British, when they colonized the people, that country was livable. It was livable under British. Now look when the Americans go in. Iraq. Libya. Now it's Sudan. Well, it's not really Americans' fault, Sudan. Okay, but I'm sure they're involved. Afghanistan. They leave in rubbles. The Americans are far worse when they go and colonize and don't say colonization doesn't exist. It's a different form. It's a more efficient form. Oh, we need to rule you people. We just take your resources and, lo- and leave, right? And, and then put in our puppet and let you uh, deal with your rubble and your mess, okay? So uh, just uh, to keep some like, level-headed thing about the anti-Americanism, as much as everyone's, I guess, anti-American in some way, shape, and form because of the wars that they did, but just keep in mind, you have to be practical, And oftentimes, all of our life is choosing between two different evils. You want to be colonized and ruled and oppressed by Americans or by the Chinese? No, I'm going to go with the Americans. There is still some, if I'm going to be oppressed, let's say, hypothetically, right? There's still some humanity. Chinese, I remember one guy got arrested in Egypt, okay? They're supposed to have a religion. Supposed to have some humanity. He's an American. He got arrested. He said, he contacted, he said, hey, to the, the jailers. I need to call my lawyers. What? Are you so naive? There's no rights. This is not the United States. You have no rights in Egypt. Okay? People didn't know where he was for months on end. And he's an American citizen. Egyptian American citizen. Okay? So, Mr. Khan's relatively stable tenure. I hope the CIA liked that little clip right there. So they watch it. So, you know, take me off a list. I'm saying good things about you guys. You're like humane oppressors. Uh, Mr. Khan's relatively stable tenure began to unwind in 2021. Dissatisfaction with how he handled the economy came to a head. And a dispute with the military over its leadership. That's what cost him his support. That's the thing. Okay? That's what cost you. You You can't mess around with the guys with the guns. It's like common sense. It's very simple in these old countries, right? We got the guns. I remember Bob Mugabe. You ever hear Bob Mugabe? Okay. He's the president of Zimbabwe, okay? This guy, okay, uh, this guy, Bob Mugabe, 
has been the dictator of Zimbabwe. Of course, he's dead now, a long time ago. Been dictator of Zimbabwe for like 30 years. One of those old dictators, okay? And he goes, uh, the U.S. comes in and says, hey, you need some aid. Yeah, I need tons of money. He said, all right, but we need, we got, we got our own reputation. You guys got to go with free and fair elections. So I said, all right, fine. We'll do these, these stupid elections. He's never done an election before. Well, he loses the election, right? <laughs> so some young guy, naive, thought that he's going to get away with this, goes and wins the election. Now it's time to, to admit that you lost. Go on TV. All right, my, my opponent won. And the guy refused to make the call, right? And the guy said, all right, let's transfer the power. He's like, how would I transfer the power? I got the gun. You got a pen, right? You guys checked off the winner with a pen. I got the guns. Why would I transfer power to you? And they never transferred any power. It's, okay, you had an election. You won the election. That's it. There's no mention of transferring power. So he said, how can a pen defeat a gun? That was his logic. That's the logic of that world over there. It's the old world, right? So he then uh, uh, has a dispute with the military. Why did that happen? I would like to ask him. Like, you're, you're, you're a smart guy. Why would you mess with them? You are going to stay in power to the degree that you keep them happy. So, anyway, that's just my take on it. If you want to stay in power in the first place. You know, I'm not in the realm of politics, so. Tensions further mounted when he was wounded after a man opened fire at a political rally. AIDS called it an assassination attempt. You know, of course, his rivals, you know what they said. They said it was a fake assassination attempt to gain sympathy when his numbers are going down. Since being removed from office, he faced a series of charges, including terrorism and corruption. Terrorism? Oh, please. I mean, that's like, how is this guy a terrorist? Uh, and he has repeatedly faced threats of arrest after failing to appear in court. He has also openly challenged the government and the military, accusing them of conspiring against him. Mr. Khan was arrested on corruption charges on Tuesday connected to a case involving the transfer of land for Al-Qadir University. Abdul Qadir. Abdul Qadir. Should be. Mr. Khan has been accused of granting favors to a real estate tycoon with the university getting land and donations in return. Okay. Okay. Um... Already the comments are coming in. All right. There's a guy who's a really good guy on Twitter. He despises Imran Khan. I can't remember his name. But, like, he's always supporting me when I'm having some debate with some uh, Zindiki type. But uh, he just hates Imran Khan. So... All of our guys here in the community, they love Imran Khan. Okay, next article. Pakistan official gives Khan 24 hours to hand over riot suspects. How is he going to hand over riot suspects? That's a good question. This is now, we shifted from New York Times, general article in New York Times, to now Al Jazeera. Uthman Quraysh, yes, you got it. It's Shahab. There's a brother named Shahab, very smart guy helps me argue against these innovators, right? Innovative groups, these deviant groups. 
doesn't like Imran Khan is putting it really, really um, mildly. He despises Imran Khan. Hey, I'm, it's political opinions, whatever. I'm in the realm of what God said and his prophet said, that's my allegiance. So political opinions, I guess, uh, could go both ways. Okay. What is this green thing I'm wearing? Now, why am I wearing it, first of all? Because the stream, each stream thumbnail has to look different. I can't wear the same clothes every day, right? So i got to find some way to differ. And I didn't feel like ironing a new shawl today. So um, this was, that's the reason. Just find anything to make it look different. That's all. But this is called a habwa. And people in Yemen, where they don't have a lot of chairs, they, when they sit on the floor, they pull their knees up. They put this around themselves. It's like a rubber band that holds you together. That's really, literally, it's like a big rubber band. And you could sit there, and you don't have to hold your arms up, uh, your knees up with your arms. It's called a habwa. Okay? Huh? They don't have backjacks. They don't have chairs. It's called a habwa. All right, so... When they don't use it, they just put it on like a sash, a sash like this or a shawl like that. Okay. A Pakistani official has accused former Prime Minister Imran Khan of sheltering aides and supporters wanted over it attacks on the army. Citizens attacked the army? Okay. And they said he have 24 hours to hand them over. What is he going to do, run around in a car and pick up these people? We have intelligence that some 30 to 40 terrorists, terrorists who are involved in attacking our army's building and installations are hiding at Zaman Park. Hey, listen, this is not good for the army. You are the army of a nation. And you're saying 30 to 40 people bombed us and they're hiding in the park and you go get them. Aren't you the army? Shouldn't you be rolling out tanks, right? Like this is a weak statement for PR-wise, right? Remember when we had, I don't know if you were here, but the Taliban released that statement one time, and it was all sorts filled with some weak language, and I'm like, who wrote this thing, right? Uh, but you have the intel that these people, why are you releasing a statement? Go get them then, right? Am I right or wrong? This, to, to, to me, just doesn't make any sense. Of course, that's with the caveat that everything that we read here on these papers, you take it with a grain of salt. Who knows what's happening, what's being said, but... Um, if I'm an army, okay, if I'm an army, I'm not releasing a statement like this. Oh, we were attacked. I know you're hiding in the park, and you go get them. Where's your... All right, here we go. We are giving an ultimatum that these terrorists should be turned over to the police. Mir said Khan had 24 hours to surrender the sub suspects. Were they hiding in his house or something? It's like... Uh... The old days of uh, Marwan ibn al-Hakam hiding in Sayyidina Uthman's house. In response, Taimur Khan, a politician in, uh, belonging to Khan's Pakistan Tahrik Insaf, Tahrik wa Insaf in Arabic, party, PTI, told Jazeera the allegation that he's hiding riot suspects is only going to increase political temperature. And it's very dangerous. So what is he, like, feeding them? <laughs> Giving them uh, pillows and stuff? Uh, sort of absurd, if you ask me. It is very rich of this caretaker government, which is in power only to hold elections, not to do their constitutional duty. You know, these countries, all of them, no offense. When I was in seventh grade, my intermediate school, Tom's River, 
Intermediate School East. Okay, was seventh and eighth grade, and it was massive, like over. It was, it was like seventh um, uh, and eighth grade. We had several thousand kids in the school, thousands, not hundreds, thousands. How many adults? Probably a, couple, a hundred or something. That seventh and eighth grade was absolute insanity. You walk in, it, you could get away with so much because the, the the teachers couldn't do. They couldn't keep up. You know what I think of when I think of all these countries? Imagine that intermediate school, 7th and 8th graders who have just gone crazy. They're all crazy. They just want to have fun. They want to see chaos. Okay? Imagine all the adults left the building and let the school to be run by the kids. What would it be like? Right? Utter chaos. That's what it feels like when I read about these, um, these countries. I feel bad for the citizens, to be honest with you. But that's, that's what, to me, it feels like. Okay. No one's truly in charge, okay. except for the military. In the military, they don't know how to do the civilian stuff, right? On Wednesday, Mr. Khan said that he secured an extension to his protective bail until May 31st. Khan was bailed by the Islamabad High Court last Friday following his May 9th arrest, which sparked violent protests across the country that killed at least 10 people. And led nearly 5,000 arrests. Okay. The court extended his bail, which was to expire on Wednesday, because the prosecutor expected more time to produce details of the case against him. Okay. The dramatic arrest of the former prime minister over corruption allegations from a courtroom in Islamabad, all right, deepened political instability. I'll give something to Pakistan that Egypt doesn't have. At least they rotate rulers. Egypt, boom, one guy, 30 years. You take a nap. He's not leaving. Give it 30 years. Your kids may see another ruler. And then when they come, it's, it's just the same. There's nothing different except the names, you know, that's it. The initial excitement, it's all the same. Okay, he's going to rule over you by force with his military, and we're all going to whine about the prices and whine about oppression, right, and corruption for the next 30 years. That's the same thing. Khan, who denies the allegations, was removed from power through a parliamentary confidence vote. So at least in Pakistan, you at least get the, this, a new face every, a new little drama, right? <clears throat> a wave of violence engulfed Pakistan's capital and other cities following Khan's arrest with thousands of angry supporters storming government buildings and vehicles and attacking police. 5,000 PTI workers and supporters were arrested. So far, I haven't read that citizens were killed. I guess that's good. Okay. On Wednesday, Mir, the information minister for the Punjab province, said those accused of attacking the army installations and buildings would be tried in a military tribunal. Wonderful. The military said the May 9 attacks against the army were planned and ordered by Khan's party leaders. Khan disowned those involved in the arson and demanded an impartial inquiry. Concerns over military trials. Of course, they have concerns over military trials. Who wouldn't? Military trial. There's no such thing as a military trial. It's just, uh, you're just going to get bulldozed. That's it. Okay. Next uh, piece. Do we want to read more about Imran Khan or is that enough? 
Okay. It just seems to be a whole bunch of chaos to me from the outside. It's a bunch of chaos, and at the end of the day, who wins in chaos? The guy with the biggest guns. Hellish Razor says, enough of this. Okay? All right, enough of this. Let's go now to the next sob story. Turkey and Erdogan. That's all sob stories. Okay, Turkey's presidential race to be decided in a runoff. Okay? Mr. Erdogan was the favorite to win the sec is the favorite to win the second round to win the runoff. Okay. Turkey's powerful president Recep Tayyip Erdogan will go head to head with his op- opposition rival in a runoff. We're going to read the biography of his rival in a second. Erdogan led the first round with 49.51% of the vote. Although he had a clear lead over his main challenger Kemal Kilic uh, Darulu. I know. I know enough Turkish to know that the G is silent. And that guy got forty-four point eighty-eight percent. Half the country basically almost split. Okay. And Erdogan missed out, but by thirty-nine point three nine percent. If he had gotten, uh, sorry, point four nine percent. He would have gotten 50%, and he would have won it. Okay? But because nobody got 50%, there's going to be a second round next Monday, in two mo- 28th of May. Okay, a couple days from now. All right? Uh, shortly before the announcement by Election Council leader Ahmed Yener, the president's rival appealed to supporters not to fall into despair. And to stand and take on the election together. Another fool. Why would you use the word despair regarding your election? He's going to lose. Why would you use that word? I wonder the education in terms of how to convince, like marketing and how to talk. That to me says, I don't think he's going to win. Right? Because the way he talks like that. Say that word like that. Not, no, not to despair. He just inserted despair into everyone's minds. But it was not immediately obvious how the opposition National Alliance could narrow a margin of five points in two weeks. How are you going to narrow that margin? Although the third candidate, ultra-nationalist Sinan Ogan, got 5%. Okay? It seemed unlikely that all his voters would switch to the center-left-led liberal opposition. Mr. Erdogan has been in power for 20 years, first as prime minister, then president. Okay. And he gained strength in 2016 after a failed coup. Many opinion polls had suggested his rival was on course to win the first round. And Erdogan supporters celebrated outside party headquarters in Ankara long into the night. So they thought he would win the first round. He missed it by 0.1%. Sorry, half of a percent. Okay. 
Addressing them from the balcony, he told them he had won 2.6 million more votes than his chief rival. Okay, so the guy goes and he says, don't despair. Erdogan goes, said, we won 2.6 million more, right? Which one knows how to play this game? Which one knows how to zip up his crowd, okay? With Mr. K, as I'll call him, as candidate, the opposition was seen as having its best chance so far at removing Erdogan from power. Erdogan. It drew together a broad-based alliance of parties and offered an end to soaring inflation and Mr. Erdogan's system of an all-powerful presidency. But initial confidence in victory turned into disappointment, and the opposition leader did his best to rally supporters by declaring, we will absolutely win in the second round. All right, that's a better statement if you're trying to uh, get your people going. Yeah. The, the, the secular votes came from the edges of the country and, and, and most of the middle of the country went to Erdogan. Mr. Yanair said all the ballot boxes from Sunday vote have been opened and turnout in Turkey was 89%. That's amazing. You know how many, what's the percentage of people who vote in America? I think it's like under 30%. Like 70% of Americans don't vote. And it's, there's, it's, it's, um, there's no reason to vote. If you're in California, for example, for the general election, you know where it's going. You know it's, they're always with the Democrats. Texas, always with the Republicans. New Jersey, New York, all up Maine, Vermont, all of them are always blue. Florida, Ohio, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, these are what they call the swing states, purple states, they say. So those are the ones where uh, <clears throat> supporters of Kamel K had little to celebrate on election night. Okay. Monitors praised the high turnout. Okay. They said the vote had been limited by an unlevel playing field. They singled out biased media coverage as well as intimidation of the pro-Kurdish party and the jailing of its former joint leader, Osman Kavala. Another issue they highlighted was the limited help given to survivors of February's earthquake to take part in the election. Mr. Erdogan was widely criticized. Of course, uh, BBC is going to pilot on Erdogan uh, for the state's slow response to the disaster, which left 50,000 people dead. Okay, uh, he was criticized. By whom? Let's ask you the question. Have you ever had to lead a nation in a 50,000 dead earthquake? So you can give me advice? Oh, it was a slow response. As opposed to what? Right? Take advice from people or listen to the critique of people who've never done what they're talking about. Right? Oh, the response was slow. As opposed to what, your response when you had to lead a nation that had a 50,000 person earthquake? But it had little effect on election results in eight cities. Strongholds of Erdogan's party in the earthquake zone voted for him. So there it is. The people who suffered from the earthquake, they voted for him. If they were so angry about it, they wouldn't have voted for him. In seven of the cities, the president's support remained over 60%. Only Gaziantep slipped to 59%. Sunday's vote, I didn't realize he was strong like this. I actually thought that his time was up. But it seems to me here that um, 
it's it's still he still has a pretty good chance. I mean, nothing's for sure, but and of course there are a lot of people saying the movement has died out and stuff like that. Everything that goes up must come down. Sunday's vote was not only for the presidency, but 600 seats in the parliament. And here too, Erdogan had a good Erdogan party had a good night, heading for a majority of about 317 seats. Okay, who? What are the other uh, parties that they're the IYI party? The uh, you know the symbol of. You ever watch this show, Ertuğrul? Yeah. Oh. IYI, they call their party, which is called the Good Party. Well, they call it the Good Party. I don't know, but their party is called the Good Party, and they have forty-four seats. Uh, they went up from last election. The Green Left, okay, leftists for the environment, I guess. They got 61 seats, down six from 67. The Workers' Party was not had no seats in 2018. Now they got four. The Justice and Development Party, AKP, which is Erdogan's party, they had 295. They got 267. That's not good. You went down 28, the biggest decrease. The National Movement Front went up from 49 to 50. And the Rif'ah, Yeniden Rif'ah party, had five, and they stayed, uh, uh, or did, did not have any seats, and they went up, and now they have five seats. Okay, so let's now look at, attention has now switched to the 2.79 million ballots that were cast for Sinan Ogan, who told BBC Turkish that without him, the presidential race would have been over in round one, saying that Erdogan would have won outright. He was remorseless in his criticism of the opposing opposition for failing to win when the ruling party was struggling with so many setbacks. See, I told you, what I've heard is that Erdogan's party has a lot of setbacks. There's a lot of issues in the party, right? And it's like a 25-year-old movement. It's going to, you know, peter off eventually. You hope that another Muslim group comes out and um, can pick up the baton. It doesn't have to be the same party. You're truly successful when you have multiple parties of the same basic ideals. So you've changed the whole meta-narrative of the country. It doesn't have to be your party, right? It could be another party and another ruler, but he rules with those same basic values. The details could be changed. But he, Sinan, he attacked the opposition, okay? He said you had the economy, you had the earthquake, you had the Erdogan for 20 years, and you still couldn't defeat him in the first round, Okay? Even if he were to act as a kingmaker by endorsing one candidate or the other, it's far from certain that all his voters would follow him. Okay. Let's see who the opposition guy is. Let's read his bag. The opposition guy looks like he could be Erdogan's um, relative. They, They look similar. Okay. According to this picture, at least. All right. Kamal K is 74. And he is in the fight of his life, his political life. He has mounted the strongest opposition challenge to Turkey's most powerful man, Erdogan, since he took power 20 years ago. Turkey's mild-mannered opposition leader may have fallen short of his rival in the first round, but he assured supporters they had victory in their grasp in the 28th May runoff. The, the, The will for change in society is higher than 50%. A soft-spoken former civil servant, 
he is the very antithesis of Turkey's grandstanding, powerful president. His trademark gesture for the election was a heart, a heart-shaped gesture with his hands. You know, for some reason, I despise that gesture. I don't know why, but I despise it. What do you think of that? The heart-shaped gesture with their hands? I don't know, just, uh, one, it's just like a pet peeve. No specific reason, but it's a pet peeve. The omens for victory are not good, though. He has lost several elections since he took over the charge of the Republican People's Party in 2010. He has a losing track record when his predecessor was forced out because of an extramarital affair. Perhaps not the obvious candidate, then, for six opposition parties who are uniting under one person to challenge Erdogan. So these are six groups. That's good for Erdogan because as the longer it goes, the more they could get fractured. Six groups. Okay. And yet, Kemal K is a highly experienced politician. By the way, highly experienced politicians tend not to be the best in elections because a politician always like measures his words and makes sure to make everyone happy. But if you want to win elections, you need to be able to get attention, show power, show strength, have like... You're better off probably being a salesman to win an election than a politician. And you saw Hillary, a career politician. And Trump, a career salesman. Who won? The salesman, right? He has survived a string of violent attacks, earning the reputation of being one of Turkey's most targeted politicians. And he wore a bulletproof vest at his final rallies. In his 13 years as a leader, political leader, he has broadened his party's appeal and embraced all different colors in the country. He posted on social media a series of videos from his modest kitchen, often addressing young voters on highly sensitive issues, such as being a Kurd or being a minority Alevite, which he is. Okay? And the Alevite is a sect of that have beliefs that would put them outside of Islam, like we can't consider them to be Muslims. The Syrians are, have, the ruling party of Syria are Alawites. According to that doctrine, that aqidah, they are not Muslims to us, and according to our theology. Because they, what they go deviate from. And oh, he's just an Alawite by, all Alawites are just, it's like a cultural, ethnic thing. Not like anyone follows that religion, right? There's no religion left to follow, to be honest. All right. In a soft tone, he reached out to voters by saying that he would unite all of Turkey's different strands of society. So he seems like a Biden type of figure who is the polar opposite of the loud and rambunctious and powerful Trump, right? So the CHP charts its origins back to Turkey's modern secular founder, Kemal Ataturk. He was long considered close, close to the military, which has overthrown the government four times since 1960, and was always seen as a hardline party on the issue of dividing church and state. No dean. After the military coup in 1980, all right, it supported the ban on hijab at schools and in public service. Born in 48, Kamal K. pronounced, thank you, Kilic Darulu. Kilic Darulu. 
He was the fourth of seven kids brought up by a housewife and a civil servant in, eastern, in the eastern city of Tuncelli. He comes from an Alavi family, a distinct Islamic sect and religious minority in the mostly Sunni Turkey. He was a star student at the many schools that he attended, and he followed his father's job as a civil servant, and he studied economics in Ankara. He spent years as a civil servant in Turkey's financial bodies. Okay, After seven years... Uh, in Parliament, he was selected to run for one of Turkey's most powerful and prestigious roles, the mayor of Istanbul. He lost, but he won praise for his campaign and he became a very credible runner-up. Within a, a year of that success, the leader of the CHP resigned after a secret videotape emerged of an affair, and Mr. K unexpectedly found himself as the prime candidate for the job. Okay? He looks like the average... Arab or Turk, right? Completely average. That's what he looks like. Okay. In, 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 in London, all over Turkey, they got these old, old boys Turkish clubs where it's just like a room with chess tables, backgammon tables, a lot of smoking, picture of Ataturk, okay? And um, Turkish flags everywhere. And all the guys look like this guy. You know, like a standard guy with a shirt, Pants, a little bit balding, with a mustache. All of them look, <laughs> look the same. Okay? Uh, initially, he refused to run for leadership, not wishing to take advantage of a, of a scandal. But his stance softened and he won the race by a landslide. Erdogan was, now, was by now at the peak of his power, okay? becoming Turkey's most successful modern-era prime minister by winning almost half the vote in 2011. The CHP came a distant second, but increased its vote by 5%. But in his 13 years in charge, he has led a quiet revolution within the party. He has tried to make peace with the Islamists through gestures like attending iftar or breaking the fast. Okay? And he erased the party's old militaristic codes. All right, so he's moved needle moved a little bit when i first met him i thought he was not a revolutionary leader but an evolutionary one said a colleague he locks on to his target sticks to it with incredible serenity and by the end you're convinced he is very decisive when he thinks that is the right thing to do that is why she believes it took him 13 years to reshape his party and secure its backing to run for the presidency true to his background he has also maintained strict financial discipline He's very careful about not spending any extra for anything unnecessary. In time, he introduced religious figures, Kurdish activists, women's rights, to prove that Turkish society had changed. So he's saying that, you know, even the religious ones can be part of us. Everyone's part of it. All right. So like the Democrats, like everyone's part of it. Uh, the CHP, his party, has a very male-dominated structure. He couldn't pull down that wall completely. But he tries to include women. Okay. One party colleague told the BBC he never raises his voice. Sometimes things drive us crazy and we, we are all screaming. But Kay keeps his calm. Okay. The moment anyone enters the room, he stands up and shakes hands, never talks to people sitting behind the desk and never interrupts. What is this? What is he, a saint or something? <laughs> you know, one, one thing, fine. Two things, fine. This is like a long list. What is he, some kind of saint? 
The soft-spoken nature coupled with a passing physical resemblance to the former Indian leader Gandhi named him Gandhi Kemal. Oh, come on. Okay. As has his peaceful response to physical attack. He was punched twice by a visitor in Parliament in 2014 while he's about to give a speech. And he suffered a bruised cheek and eye. And he called on Kali Sikipam, the path of democracy full of obstacles. Okay, he's Gandhi now. Getting punched and having no reaction. Uh, good for him, if that's the case. He's, he's got his party members, you know, talking like that. In 2016, his convoy was attacked by a missile by the Kurdish militant group. And then following the following year, he escaped an attempted bombing by ISIS. Why would you? Why would you bomb this guy? I I don't think that he's. <laughs> I'm. Not, I don't know if you ask me if I'm going up for a fight. Uh, this is not the guy I'm worried about, right? He seems like a nice guy. Okay, everyone's got that, but it does not seem to be the leader that you worry about, right? And he seems like the best quality that he has is because he's so calm. He's able to calm all these groups and bring them together. But is he really able to paint a vision for everybody to just to, 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 to go through wars for him? I don't know. He survived an attempted lynching. A lynching? What, did he walk into a rope? <laughs> at, in 2019, at a soldier's funeral. As, as he came under attack, he was taken to a nearby house where a woman, where a woman urged the crowd to burn it down. When police ushered him to safety, he said, these attempts cannot stop us. But it was after the failed 2016 coup that his reputation spread beyond Turkey. As President Erdogan cracked down on dissent, arresting and sacking thousands of Turks, seen as linked to the coup, the opposition leader launched a march for justice from Ankara to Istanbul. What does he want? The people try to do a coup. The we have some of this group here, the Gulenists. I'm not trying to offend the Gulenists, but they're the ones who did this coup. So what do you expect? What do you you tried to do a coup? Okay. What do you expect? All right. For the president to do. Just let you have a coup and, and, and you move on? Or you expect to get, uh, you know, a response? Hey, Habib, can I bother you to plug to push that in and make sure that's plugged in? Because I need to plug in uh, the iPhone. Despite the success of this march, he chose not to challenge for the presidency that year. Waiting. Oh, it's not even plugged in. Yeah. This, the dark gray one. The dark gray one. It's plugged in? Okay, thanks. It then took him months to convince other opposition parties to back his bid. The CHP has better speakers and arguably higher profile public figures who won. But with this, with his main rival at his weakest party colleagues felt this was their leader's moment. I have never heard a word of hatred from his mouth. He could be angry with someone but keeps calm and he forgives. <laughs> He keeps calm and he forgives. Is he a Nebi or something? <laughs> Listen, the guy, I have to say, I have to say, he comes off as 
like a Biden. You can't hate the guy. Uh, you can't hate him. The guy comes out with a very calm personality. And um, I mean, some of these glowing commentaries are absurd. There's no doubt about that. But like it's, it's, it's a political figure. The guy's a politician. He's got to have done something bad. How do you be a politician that's 74 years old and no one has anything bad to say? Like, like, where are your enemies? But in any event, he does seem to be a calm guy and, you know. A pawn. Yeah. Like, is, is Biden anything other than that, too? Like, Biden? You can't tell me Biden's actually, uh, you can't tell me Biden's actually, like, running stuff. I feel bad for the guy. I think it's elderly abuse what they're doing to him. Yeah, yeah. I think it's total abuse because if you think about this, the man, he's going to have to do so much traveling. He's going to get so abused by Trump. Okay. <laughs> this is wrong what they're doing to him. And if you ask him in his heart of hearts, do you want? He just doesn't want to disappoint these youth that are around him that are saying, "Oh, you got to be president, right?" He's not in his is uh, the right f- health for this to be running around like this. The guy needs to be resting and being old. Khalas. time's up. But they're going to run him around. He's going to get pummeled by Trump, name called. His family's going to get dragged in the mud, and he's an old man who should be resting. Bro, I feel. I don't laugh anymore when they put the clips of Biden bumbling up everything. I feel that it's almost like it's so bad, it's like haram to laugh, right? That's how bad it is with Biden. Because it's not your enemy who oppressed you is bumbling things up. This is a man who has layer, some layers of dementia. You know, like not, I'm not saying dementia, like full-on dementia, but enough that this is stuff that old people get. And you laugh at that, it's going to come back to you. The man, in my opinion, is, is, is being abused by his parties. But they're abusing him, right? And uh, what are they going to... Do you think he's going to be able to do the grueling schedule of the, like, the last month before the election? These guys live off of that plane of theirs, the jet. They go into one city, he comes off the plane... And the, the rally is right there on the on the tarmac. That's how they do it. So they'll get to the pri- a private airport. He'll come out. He's not going to go to a stadium or anything. He'll come right down the steps. And at the tarmac, they've set up a shop. And there'll be 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people. Not 3,000, maybe too much. Maybe 1,000, 2,000 people at the tarmac. He gives a speech on the stage. Okay? A little makeshift stage is there. He gives a speech. He shakes a couple hands. Takes pictures with babies and people whose vote that they want to get. Like if they want to get if that if that week, the Latin the Hispanic vote is down. They go find a Hispanic baby, take a picture with it, kiss the baby, right? Shake hands with a with a Hispanic looking man. Make sure that that gets everywhere, so that the Hispanic vote goes up again. Then go next. Oh, he said a gaff about women. Okay, take a picture with a couple women. Make sure you shake hands with some women. Have some women on the stage. Whatever group is down, they're going to go and take pictures with them. Then he gets back on the plane, and he may, like Obama, he was like full of energy. I think two, three, four stops in a day. Any of the same speech, right? Memorize the speech, Khalas. Stump speech, they call it. 
and you go do that three, four times, that's in the, the last leg of the election. Some of these, they'll go out there, uh, like in the last few days, they'll go out there, it could be one in the morning. He'll give the speech, right? And... Yeah. And that's going to get bumbled up yeah. too, right? And uh, Trump, if you know what, if if I'm going to get if for Trump, if he wants to get elected, stop reading from the teleprompter. Just get up and talk. That's what got you elected the first time. You got you watched his speeches. It's a guy who just got up and is rambling, right? But you you can't stop listening to it, right? Love him or hate him. Of course, a lot of people hate him, but. And and we should be hated. Any any person who's like as filthy as him should be hated. But the people were listening. Now he gets up there. Yeah, I sound like any old politician. You're just reading a speech from a teleprompter. And I'm I'm not even interested in listening, right? Uh, even as a hater, like hate listening, I'm not even interested. I just click the next video. So for him, if he wants to get involved and get the people riled up again, and by the way, Trump, all it is is personal grievances now. He he won the first election because he was arguing for the people, of course, which is all lies, right? Uh, but he made himself out to be arguing for the common man. He's he was arguing for the white man, middle-aged, older white man who finds his stock decreasing now, right? And not as valuable to be white anymore. It used to be it gets you doors opened. It still does, but so he argued for them so they loved him. And he'd go off and he'd uh, uh, smash, you know, all the people who are the perceived enemies of that crowd. Now, all he does is get up there and talk about his own cases, his own grievances. So just watching this chess match and watching the game being played, that's my 30,000 foot view, is that get re- he's got the teleprompter, boring everyone to heck, to death. Then all it is, is, is his own grievances and nothing about the people. So from what from that perspective, it's not a compelling candidacy anymore, like the first one was. Okay, uh, of course, with the caveat knowing that it's all just a bunch of lies and nonsense. But in general, that's how I felt he won the first one. Uh, Biden came in as a breath of fresh air. One because Trump is exhausting. It's just nonstop scandals and annoyances and bothersome stuff. Right? It's just nonstop. And after a while, the news, you, you, you get the, he hits the news all the time. You can't not watch it. But after a while, it's like exhausting. So you get a president who hasn't been in the news. The only, the only thing he's ever in the news for is his gaffes. Like there's nothing else the popular, regular person gets on his radar except his gaffes. But I'm like, finally, enough political news. to so put this guy Biden in so he could just get some silence, right? You're exhausting. And, and obnoxious and, and constantly annoying. So I don't really don't know. The, the only reason that Trump would possibly win this time around is because the first time around, Biden ha- was able to do it through Zoom. And he was a breath of fresh air. Now Biden's got to actually fight a real fight, traveling around, talking to people. And there's no contrast anymore, right? There's no contrast of enough of Trump's obnoxiousness Biden was a welcome contrast. That contrast doesn't exist anymore. So it's much different when you're when you're uh, fighting as the front runner, 
than as the underdog. Under Trump didn't even go fight as an under as a front runner. Well, he fought as an underdog, you know, swinging wildly at everything, shooting at everything, right? And it worked for him. As a, as the um, front runner, he was terrible. All he had to do was not screw up COVID, and he would have easily won. But he had to play with that. He had to meddle with it, and he screwed that up. That's just um, political sports radio right there because um, not advocating for either side, but that's just my view of the, the gamesmanship of the thing, just the gamesmanship of it. And the Democrats are pretty, how could they not have come up with a candidate in all these years? No candidate? And I don't think you can be a strong Democratic candidate. I'll tell you why, because the Democrats are all about always uh, apologizing. It's a culture that you're always going to apologize. You can't upset anybody, right? You cannot be strong with these people because the, they don't like the language of strength. They don't like the language of, uh, uh, of anyone strong. And they like the language of always sort of putting yourself down in the name of inclusion, okay? And always... It's like excessive inclusion and making sure nobody's upset. And it's a language, it's a culture that you're constantly apologizing. So when one guy was coming up from Texas, a, dem, a, a tall, lanky Democrat from Texas, he was looked like a pretty good candidate. He had a, a little bit of a funny name. I can't remember his name. Uh, but he ends up having to apologize 10 times. Every oh I I'm sorry I offended this group. Oh I'm sorry I offended that group. Oh I'm sorry. How are you have strength, right? They cannot produce a strong person, I guarantee you. All right, let's uh let's read a little bit here. Uh analysts predict the incumbent candidate that uh Erdogan will win the second round. Okay. They stay the the pundits. Well pundits are always they're maybe right, maybe wrong. You never know. Erdogan got 49.51% and K got 44.89%. Okay. Erdogan performed better than expected. Okay. And his alliance still got the majority of a 600 person uh, parliament. Okay. uh, Erdogan has momentum, says a political analyst. Erdogan maintained his base of support in the heartland of Anatolia although he lost some support in the Southeast. Okay. He was very successful in the earthquake hit regions. Some people find that surprising, but he he apparently delivered what they expected of him and promises that he will deliver even better after the election. Meanwhile, there are some members of the opposition who were disappointed with Kay and considered him the wrong candidate. By the way, we have to keep in mind this is Al Jazeera, who is Qatar, who supports Erdogan. So no news outlet is going to be, you know, they have their biases, of course. But I like this bias, right? <laughs> it's biased, but it's my bias too. Uh, as for the third place candidate, Sinan O, Sinan Ogan, uh, he did better than expected. He got 5%, and he could possibly direct his 5% one way or another. He has yet to make any such endorsement, Okay. Well, Erdogan got 49, almost 50% by himself, okay? He could just do that again if they just pull that out.
Okay, the opposition will have to have its work cut out for them, blah, blah, blah. Or blah, 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 enough political talk. We get the idea. And May 28th is in 11 days, so that's going to be Sunday after next Sunday, the Sunday after that, okay? So let's now turn to your comments and questions. We got a decent amount of time for open QA, and then we go for dua. Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr is the time of uh, dua, as we all know. Okay. Let me open up Instagram. All right, um, Habib, give me something. Yeah. How do I get things to go my way? What are the steps? Okay. Uh, how do I get things to go my way? What are the steps? Well, I'm not a life coach, but I can give you some very basic things. And those very basic things of how anyone who has succeeded in anything, you got to ask yourself, what did I do um, to succeed? Chances are your attention was directed at this matter. Right, you're, you're, He always had your attention on this And you had a very very strong desire for it okay. You look at anything like uh, Behind the desk today is Habib North Brunswick football captain Right, He was the captain of uh, what the, the, uh, the Rushers right? The Raiders But the, but the Rush oh, yeah, yeah. Line, the, the defensive line right? What do they call it? The D-line the D Right it was the captain of the defensive line in a team that went to the state championships three times in a row, right? The, the Buffalo Bills of high school football because they went three times in a row. They almost went the fourth time. Did they go the fourth time? They, they crashed that season. When they, when they pulled you off the team, for what? A, a little C? Oh, it's ridiculous, right? Sorry if that was private information. But, but because the Bills went four times and lost all four times. So you guys needed to go that fourth time to be the Buffalo Bills of high school football of New Jersey high school football. So, but when you, when you succeeded at that, it's because you had an, a, a focus and attention was, was on that, right? Your attention was on this. And in your focus and attention being upon something, it just, some way, shape, and form, your, your, your mind never drifts away from it. And the reason people succeed, uh, fail at things, is more simple, than, uh, in my opinion, than you, than you think. It's just you got distracted from it, right? Oh, what is the path to being close to Allah? Remembrance, dhikr. Just remember, 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 right? So it's, it's, it's got to remind yourself of something so many times in life that it becomes impossible for you to ever be distracted from it. Okay, so, and that's the first thing. And the second thing is, when, is to ask people who have done it. Just to be in touch with people who have done it. Like, you can't go to the gym and do this stuff by yourself. You got to hang out with guys who've been in the gym for a couple of years. They'll tell you, oh, don't do this, don't do that. Do, do this, do that. They keep you going. They give you some advice. So the two things that I would tell a person who wants to succeed at something is that, and, and I don't do this life coach stuff. I'm not into that stuff. It's not my thing, okay? 
but I think these are really good pieces of advice, is to always keep your focus on it. You got to remind yourself. You always got to remind yourself. Number one, you have to remind yourself of the thing, but also why you love the thing, too. And you, you got to stay happy with it, right? Remember we talk about, like, learning Arabic? As soon as you get frustrated, just put it aside. You cannot be frustrated and unhappy doing something. You're not going to do it. You're going to hate it. Your mind is going to say, I have to do this, but you, you will hate it. You're not, doing, you're not enjoying it, put it aside, right? Until you like it again. So you, you always got to try to like what you're doing. But then the second thing is hang out with people who've done it before, right? Simple. Hang out with the people who've done this stuff before, right? So uh, if you do that, I don't know how you can succeed. So some non-life coaching advice. All right, next. Remember, I don't really scroll up. Okay. Please bring back ulama biography videos. Okay, inshallah. Sadaqat says, how to really increase memory and retain information. Repetition. Repetition. Read the chapter. Uh, uh, there was a kid, never forget this, in biology, in science, in high school, everyone go to earth science. Okay. Right, but I qualified for the level above that. Okay. Okay. I ended up. I I can't say I qualified for it, but I ended up in the level of science above that. So we were freshmen, me and another kid, and we were all with sophomores and even some juniors. And so it was intimidating because the teacher's teaching at a high level, higher level than we expected. And this kid next to me, he seemed like. He aced everything. But he didn't seem like a very different kid than anybody else. So I said, man, what's your secret? He said, nothing. I just read the chapter, take notes. Then read the chapter again, then analyze my notes again. Improve the notes. Then I read the chapter a third time, then I improve my notes again. And if they're no good, I scrap it, write another chapter of notes. Then I read the chapter a fourth time, and I do it again. Then I do it a fifth time, and do it again. I'm like, that's it? That's the name of the game? He said, yeah, so maybe for two hours, we'll sit there, read the chapter word for word, take notes. Read the chapter again, improve the notes. Read the chapter a third time, improve the notes even more. And then by that time, his notes are so good that, and he's like, it's in his, he can't get it out of his memory at this point. Like, can you get fat out of your memory? Unless you went in a coma, right? Or had a stroke. May Allah protect everyone from that, but... You can't ever get out of your head. But can you forget, potentially speaking, could you potentially forget um, your mom's phone number? Of course you can, right? Because you, as soon as you get it, you put it on, you save it. You don't look at it again, right? So you may have memorized it for a while, but you, you, you save it as mom. So you don't know it anymore. So it's the repetition. So if you want help with memory, there's no tricks to memory. There literally is no tricks. The Mauritanians, they say their hivs is amazing. The Moroccans' hivs is amazing. The Pakistanis' their hivs is amazing. Every, everywhere in the Ummah, they have amazing hivs. Okay? I asked a brother who went to Mauritania from our town, our masjid. I said, what was the technique? He said, they sit there. I don't have a misbaha on me. They sit there with a misbaha. Okay? And they repeat five ayahs. That's it. Just five ayahs. That's written on a board. He leans on the board like this, 
and he got a misbah in one hand, and he will recite those five verses 300 times. It would be numb. Be like, it might take him from morning all the way to Dhuhr. Okay. Then he gives a tasmiyah. If the tasmiyah is rusty, another 300 times. All the way to Asr, 600 times. The poor kids is numb, drilled. But why can they do it successfully? Because there's nothing else to do in Mauritania. It's not like he's sacrificing anything. Hey, I got nothing to do anyway, right? Except for make sure the goat didn't walk off. or the sh- And then the goat's skinny, miskeen goat anyway. He can't even walk. It's so skinny and, and, and drought, right? So uh, that's why sometimes when there's not much to do, that's, it's a gift from Allah. But they call it darb, darb, because it feels like it's literally etching into your head, okay? And so 600 times, imagine you have a passage the size of إِذَا زُرْزِلَةِ الْأَرْضُ It's like a couple lines, seven, eight lines, six lines, less than that even, and you repeat it 500 times. Is it possible not to know it? Now, guess what? You get a break after that. After Isha, you go back to another set of verses that you did, maybe a longer passage, and you repeat that a hundred times. Like a page or so, or, or less than a page, and you repeat that probably until you, you fall asleep. From memory, you're repeating. They do this, and the whole Quran is 600 pages. So 600 days is, is two years. To do, if you were to do this with every single page of the Quran, that's two years, right? Give or take, remove the extra, you know, fifty-four days just for the sake of you. You were sick, you traveled, whatever. Two years. That's why they they go there, they come back. That Quran is never leaving them, right? The the the. So it's just repetition, non-stop repetition. Yeah. Uh, same same story, but. Less, less of the six. It wasn't six hundred, but he studied in Jeddah. Yeah. And he did his, uh, he did his half. Like he became a hafiz over there, and he was telling me like, what they would do every day is op- like they would first like first thing they would do is like close their mushaf and me- like read off what they memorized every single surah they memorized. Oh. And a full tasmiyah. Full. And then they would open, and then whatever new ayahs they were taking, each ayah they would repeat fifty times, looking. And close them up 50 times. Not looking. looking, yeah. And then each ayah, they would do that. Until That's it. Was it. Engraved. That's it. He says, oh, I can't memorize this surah. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Every single human being can memorize, right? The, the proof of the meaning is you memorize your name. You memorize a lot of other things. You, name, you memorize all the names of your relatives. Why is that? You memorized all the street signs. Like uh, if there's a red sign with eight sides, you know it's a stop sign. So everybody can memorize it's just uh, the amount of time, okay? And science is one of those things that has to be studied. You can't be smart in science. You can be smart in logic and philosophy and stuff like that. But when it comes to science, it's a mass of transmitted, observed knowledge. Someone else observed it. Someone else documented it. And they're transmitting it to you, and you just got to memorize. Doctors, to me, they, they, it's, they, they memorize a lot. Their way of studying is very much similar, okay, to the way of studying of of uh, Hifz of Quran, okay. 
All right, next question. The Abbasid Empire had a similar problem. They wanted to learn from the technology of many cultures and later borrow Greek philosophy uh, from ancient Greeks, which caused division. I don't think the Abbasid Empire went around looking for that stuff, but they found the libraries there in their country, right? And they were a people who cared about knowledge and books, so they opened those books up. And they weren't like a closed system where they disallowed you to read this or read that. People read it. And, of course, whenever something new comes in the Ummah, there's going to be three things that happen. Okay? There's going to be some people who say, stop. Don't forget this. Don't even look at it. There's going to be some say, why shouldn't I look at it? I'm going to look at it. And he's going to look at it and become in love with it and maybe deviate from the culture or the religion. And then there's going to be a correction that's going to be something in the middle. Allah is not going to create something right, and bring it to us for no reason. There's a wisdom for everything, right? And so we're going to come to a middle and use this properly, right? Uh, wherever Islam went, this is what happened, okay? There were new things. Some people said no. Other people said, why not? Let's check it out. And they deviated as a result of that. And then there's always something in the middle that is a common ground. So that seems to be the history of Islam in all things, Lavon Brown, do you know that the ambassador to religious freedom is a Muslim, Rashad Hussein? No, I did not know that. Did not know that. Ahmed says, what do you think? Can you look up his bio, by the way? Rashad Hussein. What do you think about the Arab Muslims who want to move to the West for a living and study secular sciences? I mean, I can't put blame on them. Okay, there's rulings about going to live with non-Muslims, but there's also exceptions to rulings. Would, who, who, who here thinks that a place like Algeria or a place like Egypt has a bright, promising future? Okay, there are fiqhi statements about moving from a Muslim country to a non-Islamic country. But yet at the same time, you're just you're dealing with people who have human nature wants to grow and advance and and live well and have opportunities do you know how depressing it is right when you're you're in a country where there's no concept whatsoever of a possibility of a future for you when you go open your door in the morning and you see the whole road is uh, all the guys are just sitting at on lawn chairs or doing nothing right it's depressing so um all right what uh, let's see who this rashad hussein is he is, serves as the principal advisor to the secretary of state i guess an advisor to the president on religious freedom he leads the department's efforts to monitor religious freedom abuses persecution and discrimination worldwide he also oversees policies and programs address the concerns and works to build diverse and dynamic partnerships okay, uh, with the broadest range of civil society with equitable and meaningful inclusion of faith actors globally. Okay, So he was a director at the National Security Council's Partnership and Global Engagement Directorate. President Obama appointed Hussein to serve as his special envoy to the OIC, Organization of Islamic Cooperation. All right. Hussein has worked on the House Judiciary Committee. All right. He received his JD from Yale Law and he was the editor of the Yale 
law journal, those are like the two highest credentials in law. Yale Law and to be the editor of the Yale Law Journal. And he has a master's in public administration in Arabic and Islamic studies from Harvard. He holds a bachelor's degree in poli-sci and philosophy from UNC Chapel Hill. And he's also taught an adjunct professor of law at Georgetown University's Law Center and Georgetown School of Foreign Services. He's a Texan and he's an avid basketball fan. Okay, so he's a highly accomplished Muslim. May Allah guide him to what is best, right? And many times, let me tell you, in our circles of students of knowledge, that we immediately look at the like aqidah implications of thing of people and things like that, which is uh, and understand, well, understand. But I also want to point out to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has He can give support to the Deen in ways uh, that we don't understand. And through people who we may disapprove of. I'm not saying him. I'm just saying, because generally people say, you know, politicians, they just write him off. Muslim in politics, he must be a bad guy. He must be a liberal or whatever. So before we go to that, which you may end up, but nonetheless, we have to understand the perspective of people far from the Islamic community. Far from it. They do not see liberal, Sunni, Shia. They just see Muslim. Right? That's all they see. So there may be a great wisdom behind having a lot of Muslims in these positions. And I just want people to open their mind to that possibility. That does not mean that uh, things are always correct that they do or valid or we stand with it. No. We probably wouldn't. Especially the political field. Especially the uh, field of entertainment. But just the word Muslim is something that, and the identity of a Muslim is something that is now going to be on the radar of somebody, right, who had never heard of this deen before. That is one of the wisdoms. So remember the Prophet said, and this is taking in like the extreme. I'm not saying that these are any of these people, but I'm saying. Allah will support this religion by a profligate man. Why? Because in the eyes of some people, that's their only exposure to Islam they'll ever get. And when they look around and all over the White House pages, all these politicians, there's a ton of Muslims everywhere. You can start to feel like, all right, Muslim's part of this. Now when they go and somebody is investigating from the outside, now Islam is something on their radar. So the reason I'm saying this is that a lot of times... We who are always now reading all these books, and this is our loyalty, and this is our religion, and this is what we love. And clearly, the world of entertainment and politics, you don't have many, many people, if any, who are you know, able or willing to, to live by these ideas, okay? which, is, which is, is the truth. So we immediately discount them, and they're the liberals, and they're... Yes, that may all be true about their positions, but there's a wisdom why Allah's putting them there. The Mongols, when they came in, after a generation, they entered Islam. Do you think that they entered like the correct Islam? They had their own version going on, which probably most fuqaha and, or mutakallimin would have said, this is kufr. But they called themselves Muslims, right? Now the next generation says, okay, we're Muslims. The next generation, oh, we're Muslims, all right. Well, when he wants to do it now, when, when one of those kids wants to be, one of those Mongol kids wants to practice his religion, he's not going to go to his 
politician dead for knowledge, he's going to go to the shoe. Boom. Within one or two generations, Islam had spread properly amongst the Mongols. They were regular Muslims after that. So we got to also just uh, uh, keep that in mind. And that's my perspective. When I deal with uh, this concept of Muslims in these spaces and these spheres, and while knowing 100% what they're doing is probably unlawful, or their beliefs are probably not correct. Yet, I view it with the perspective that Allah has a wisdom why he's put them there. So that's important for us to know. That doesn't mean it doesn't justify what they're doing. We don't rule by that, of course. We don't make rulings at all. We're just transmitting rulings. But uh, it's, a, it's something to keep in mind. All right. So, Levon, thank you for uh, uh, giving us that piece of information. A highly um, educated, successful person. May Allah guide him to what is good and to use his position of power, you know, not to forget, to use it for the sake of Allah. Allah is the one who put us in any nama that we have, and we have to use it. And that doesn't always necessitate that it's used directly for the deen and theology, but for the other principles that Islam has, for the poor, for the miskeen, right? For the victims, for the, 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 the downtrodden. Use it for that, right? And insofar as a person disobeys the the religion make istighfar and don't alter the deen right that's how whenever someone's out there and they're like nominally in islam and they're but they got a good heart and good intention i say listen what are you going to do you're probably going to do it anyway regardless what i say but don't try to change islam just say astaghfirullah i'm wrong for doing this and there are many people in lines of business they're good at what they do but part of it is haram is at the very least, do not alter the deen. Just admit that you have your own shortcomings. Next question. What does it mean that your, your creation and your resurrection is no different than that of one soul? What does it mean? It means that it takes no hardship no effort from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah does not expend energy does not have hardship nothing is difficult in the same way that he created one soul you say okay created one human being in our minds is easy right for allah says when you see one human being allah is telling you all of your existence is no different and your all your death and your re-existence through the resurrection is no different that's why we say when the Muslim evolutionists, so-called Muslim evolutionists, they, they sort of laugh at the idea that the orthodox position that Allah created Adam directly, okay? And they say, no, no, and they travel, trace it back. I say to them, okay, hypothetically, you trace back Adam to some other mammal. Then that mammal was eventually a billion years before that an amoeba or whatever. I don't even know what they're cooking up these days. And that eventually was one cell, okay? And that eventually was one particle. Where did that particle come from? You, as a so-called Muslim evolutionist, would have to admit that Allah says, kun fayakun. B, the first piece of matter. There was a time when there was no matter, right? Then there was matter. Allah says, kun fayakun. In your mind, do you think that that kun fayakun, for Allah to create one particle of matter, okay, 
is any different than his direct creation of an entire universe. For Allah, it's no different. These people seems to have some anthropomorphism, as if, yes, he can easily create a particle, but he can't create a world. Yes, he can. So, there's no... Kun kun. Kun. Be, and it is. That's how Allah creates. Be, and it is. Whether it's a particle, the smallest possible particle, or it's an entire universe, is no different for Allah. There is no big and small with Allah. Right? It's not like the particle is very small for Allah, the universe, as if it's like, you know, sizable in comparison to Allah. Allah is not physical. There is no big and small for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why is it so difficult for you to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam directly with no antecedent? Why is it so hard to believe? Okay, And it was repeated so many times that he created Adam that way. And he creates the human being in multiple ways. The human being, Adam was created directly with no antecedent. Okay? No mammal before him. No mother gave birth to him. Hawa, Eve was created from Adam. All other humans were created from a mother and father that gave birth to them. Jesus, alayhi salam, was created in the womb of Mary with no male. That's four different ways. All human beings will be resurrected in the same way. That's five different ways of creation of the human being. Let's take the next question before we go to our dhikr. Any Islamic wazifa for increasing memory? No. No shortcuts, no tricks, no zikrs. Repetition. Okay? No shortcuts, no wazifas, no tricks. Not to say wazifas are tricks, but don't look for a shortcut. Is there a dhikr that I can get my memory? Is there a dhikr that you can lose weight? No. Run on the treadmill. Right? Repetition, hard work, non-stop, non-stop, non-stop. Okay? Refuse to go away. That's how you're going to get memory that's how you're going to lose weight that's how you're going to learn fiqh that's how you're going to learn arabic are we satisfied with appeasement says the dark maverick biden also told the muslim mayor of prospect park to take a hike no i'm not satisfied with appeasement no sadaqat says uh, again that question for the memory see sadaqat knows how to see sadaqat is very persistent in asking the question how many times you ask the question listen if you recite the verses as many times as you ask the question you'd memorize it Right? So he has demonstrated his ability to peck. Peck away. Keep going. Non-stop, non-stop, non-stop. Okay. Imam Zarnuji says, the lesson is one letter, the repetition a thousand times. Thank you. Meaning the lesson short, but repeat it many times. Dua for increasing in knowledge. Rabbi zidni ilma. Okay. Can you increase the volume of the mic? They're talking about you, huh? Okay. Levon says, we're not commenting on the person, just telling you he exists. Yeah, why, what's nothing wrong with knowing he exists? As someone was, I think Dark Maverick was saying, like, this is appeasement. No, we're not settling for anything. Like, but if something's there, there's, there's always a wisdom. Okay, there's always a wisdom. How do we balance between criticizing others' skill set and praising yours while not being boastful? 
there's no boasting when you're applying for a job and you're saying, I know how to do this job. It's objective fact. I know how to do it. This person, I'll tell you why he doesn't know how to do it. The sign that he doesn't know how to do it is this, this, and this. The sign that I know how to do it is this, and this, and this. You're allowed to do that. There's no, you just have to check your heart. That's all. Kickboxing class and swimming class is women's only, but they have cameras there for emergency security. Then you cover. You'd have to cover. You'd have to cover. For memorizing, I was reading three words three times and writing their first letters in Latin alphabet and was remembering the words from these three letters. Is it okay to do and is allowed? Yes. For the swimming and the kickboxing, the scarf needs to be taken off. Then you need to ask the, the, the Muslims that are involved and you need to ask them what's happening with the security footage. Okay, if someone hits their head, isn't that security footage going into the hands of other authorities? Yes, it is. So therefore, if that's a chance, then therefore we can't really take our hijab off. Um, Sadaqat, I don't see Montoned. What's this? I don't get that. Always thought his hadith applied to sacred knowledge. Whoever follows a path to seek knowledge, Allah will make path of Jannah easy for him. What is this about secular knowledge if done for the sake of Allah? Yes, but mainly for religious knowledge. Because when you learn, you appreciate the rulings, right? You appreciate, you understand why Allah has put limits on certain things. And therefore, it becomes easy for you to practice what you understand. So that's how Allah has made his path to Jannah easy. When you learn, you surround yourself with other learned people. They always keep you up. They help you up. When you like, when you have like a group of guys that are doing fic together, yep, it's like trading cards. Like someone will give you a ruling that yeah. maybe you didn't know, yep, and then you'll be like, oh yeah, this is another ruling. That's true. It's, it's just like, like trading, trading cards. Yeah. You're always bringing something new to the table. Yeah, right. Um, and that's the, how those fiqhi conversations go. Lily says purple veggies and foods help the brain, um, such as I guess cabbage, right, is the only purple vegetable I know of. There's a root, are roots vegetables? Taro, taro roots? I don't think they're vegetables. Yeah, you, you'll, uh, you'll become a vegetable fan if your plumbing stops working, right? <laughs> then you need vegetables. Okay. Abdul Hadi says, was there a different ruling about mahrams during the time of Adam? Okay. Yes, there was. Uh, you were allowed to marry anyone, anyone except your twin. Okay. Anyone except your twin is who you are allowed to marry. So your twin was treated like your sister. All the other women 
you were allowed to marry, right? And Adam arranged the marriages. Why? Because he's the wali of all the prospects, right? You want to marry, you're only going to marry who Adam permits. You have no other choice. Therefore, Satan Adam arranged all the marriages. Okay. And then immediately the next generation, okay, then the rules changed. You couldn't marry your sister, you could only marry your cousin now. How do we reconcile between du'a, being pleased with our Allah's decree and making du'a for things in the dunya? Very easy. I'm pleased. I'm happy with what Allah has given me. I'm going to enjoy it. Whatever Allah brings me, I'm going to enjoy it. Yet at the same time, I'm asked for more. There's no limits, right? Why not ask for more? How do you not get complacent with that? You... You ask yourself, what is it that makes gets you excited? What is it that makes you happy? And don't force yourself only be happy with this. No, what genuinely makes you happy of Allah's creation that you want to get out there, they want to learn out there, or 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 do, or experience, or have, and that's what that's what we pray for. You only pray for something that you really want, right? You can't force yourself to tell yourself, I should want this, except the things that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has told us to want. Like iman, steadfastness, that we stuff we always pray for. But for our personal prayers, you only pray for something that you really want. So you just gotta be honest with yourself of what do you really want in life. Okay. Am I sinful for being overweight? I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say fat, but offend some people. Overeating is sinful. Uh, sorry, not sinful. Over overeating is discouraged. Um, Karam Tour, you can ask your questions here. By the way, um, we're we're on YouTube, but you can ask your questions on Instagram too. Overeating is 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 discouraged. Being overweight is not good for your knees. It's not good for your health. It's not good for yourself. I'm sure. I don't think anybody who is out of shape op- looks in the mirror and is happy with what they see. So. This is not good for you. You also don't live by yourself. You live with other people. You don't want to be someone that the people that are intimate with you, that share your body, are unhappy with. Like You don't want them to be unhappy with you. right? Because shaitan can get in their head and start saying, well, it's no good. Think about somebody else. That's how fitness starts. So, so you want to you do to avoid that. Uh, Mariam says, how to defeat self-whims, hawa-nafs. Hawa-nafs is defeated by two things. The sunnah and the urf, the customs, the, the general way of behavior of the righteous people in your time and place, and that which does not uh, offend the people or seem odd to the people. You can do it. That's how you become unique without succumbing to your whims. So sharia, sunnah, and the urf of people. The urf means the general way of behavior of the righteous Muslims at that time. So it's not, it's odd behavior for us, for example, if you were to gel your hair up in one spike like a horn, like a rhinoceros. It's just odd. I can't tell you it's haram, right? It does, that's not the symbol of any group per se. So I can't tell you it's haram. It's just, you're just weird, right? It's odd. 
is not going to be something that no one's bringing you home to dinner with that. So you avoid those types of things that make you, you know, an out, not outcast, but everyone's going to be looking at you like some weirdo. You avoid those things. Now, you have, there are other things that make you unique that the people don't, the righteous, the pious, praying Muslims don't, you know, shun you for. Yeah, then that's, that's a fair expression. Are flashcards effective for Arabic vocabulary? Only, yes, only if you repeat them, right? Only if you do it like hundreds, like 30, 40 minutes straight in a row. Do angels leave when a woman's by herself, uncovers her hair and arms? No. May, the, definitely not the angels that write your deeds. No. I never heard that. Uh, found says sometimes I get unwanted sexual thoughts that lead to fluid discharge. Does it break my fast? No, it breaks your wudu, and you have to clean that part until the water runs clean. Clean your garment and your skin until the water runs clean. Okay. The clothes look like the Indian flag. Is it? Is it the Indian flag? Hmm. I thought the Indian flag was orange. This is more on the bronze, right? Yeah. What is the best way to tell my parents about something they may have done wrong without being disrespectful? Don't correct your parents. You're not in the position to correct your parents in Islam. How to increase khushu'ah and khudu'ah in salah and dhikr is to do a lot of dhikr outside of salah until when you enter salah is not difficult for you to, to focus on your creator and to imagine, visualize the power of the one in front of whom you are standing. Lulu Lemon, Lulu Lemon here. What can you do in a time of uncertainty regarding things like health test results? How do you ground yourself to avoid anxiety? Much recitation of the Quran is your best source of security and grounding. Okay, stability, mental stability, emotional stability. I'm so much confused after watching videos of pseudo-Salafis. What should I do? You've already diagnosed it. Stop watching those videos. I got so sick to my stomach when I drank this drink. What do I do? Stop drinking the drink. You gave yourself the... You solved your own problem right there. Is it permissible to wear a watch that has a little amount of gold in the movement to prevent corrosion and rusting? From what I know, the answer is no. For a man. For a woman, yes. Jazakallah a million times over. Wa'iyakum a million times over. Alhamdulillah. I'm glad that the advice is appreciated. Okay. There are many purple vegetables that are good for your brain. Figs, eggplants, blueberries, black kirant, purple onions. Wow. Okay. We'll do that for... Maybe we'll get smarter. Maybe we'll get smart, period. Walnuts, because it's the shape of the brain, because it looks like the brain? Okay. <laughs> Did she feed you walnuts? Yeah. So what the heck happened then? <laughs> Me and you are in the same boat. Didn't work. <laughs> was Yusha even known a prophet? I believe that he was not a prophet, nor a descendant of Satan Musa, a.s. No. I do not think he was a prophet. 
I've never seen him listed as a Nabi. How do you convince yourself Allah doesn't hate you if he tests you? If you respond to the tests with good deeds. Okay? Then then this test is an elevation of your rank. Is it permissible to wear a watch? We answered this question. Someone said a man does not have the right to marry more than one wife. No, we can't change the Quran. No, no one's changing the Quran on this. Who is Yusuf mentioned in Surah Ghafir? Sayyidina Yusuf. There's only one Yusuf in the Quran, is the Prophet Yusuf. The story is told in one surah, but his name is mentioned in others. Uh, the belief, whatever happens to me is what was best for me. Yes, we can hold that. Yes. Can you pray Salat al-Musafir shorten and combined before you set off your travels? No. After. Because you're still a res- resident. Were the Ashab al-Kaf followers of Sayyidina Isa? Allah knows best. Maybe his followers of Sayyidina Isa? No, they were not direct followers of Sayyidina Isa for sure. They did not meet Sayyidina Isa. They had heard about Sayyidina Isa after Sayyidina Isa. That's what many say. And others say that they had not even heard of that. They just heard that there is a God, Allah, from people. And Allah knows best. Which one? Um, yes. Is Mount Judi where the Safina of Sayyidina Nuh located in Turkey? Yes, that's what is said. And that mount is Mount Ararat in Turkey. Can you talk about Islamic rulings on correct parenting? Oh, big subject. We can't do it today, but we'll do it later. Inshallah. How to build a regular reading habit of educational Islamic books. Buy many different books so that... Um, buy many Islamic books so that you never get bored. And make it a habit for you. Make a reading space for yourself. Like a library with a comfortable sofa or chair and a table. right? Rather than just like a bookshelf with nothing in front of it. So that you can take time, sit on the chair, read the book, put it on the table. Have plenty of bookmarks there. So it becomes a little nook. Like a reading nook. That you can sit there with a cup of tea or coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Rotate. Oh, good. Yeah. That's what we got here. We got many bookmarks in so many different books. Okay. And Lily Rose says, don't forget olives are also purple. What, Skittles? What about Skittles? <laughs> purple Skittle, Skittles. No, she did say vegetables. Yamna says, is there wisdom behind every calamity? Yes. Not even every calamity. Every moment of life has a wisdom. What on Instagram? Yeah, go ahead, read it from me. What important concepts in Islam do you think the average layman Muslim should know to strengthen their understanding of their own faith in Islam? 
I think people need to understand the origin of our belief in Allah and His Messenger. That's why this book is so important. And I plan to read from this regularly. The next section that we're going to read from is how to investigate God's existence. So you should be absolutely immersed. I don't care if you're a scholar or not. You should be immersed in the foundation of why I believe in the Prophet wasallam, why I believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are the enemies out there that will attack this belief? You should be absolutely immersed in it. Okay? Absolutely immersed in it. And get this book, The Divine for Critical Minds. So easy to read. Every chapter is like two and a half pages. Got what are the conditions of traveling as a woman if the mahram cannot come with you? Then you only travel if there's a, uh, an important need. Okay? And you, tra- you take the safe routes, which are like the most populated routes. So rather than driving yourself in the countryside, go on the train with a lot of people. Instead of driving yourself all night and all day by yourself. No, go on a train with a lot of people if you have to travel because part of the safety, according to uh, Murab and others who wrote about this, is that it's surrounded by people so that you can't be aggressed upon or abused. Okay? That's uh, in the understanding. Uh, what about parents? Salih Tahir is saying, no, we don't correct our parents in Islam. You don't correct your parents in Islam. Um, yeah, you can invite them to Islam if they're not Muslim. You can invite them to pray, but we don't forbid the, we don't tell them what to do. It will not be accepted from you. Kinetic nomad is your fast on a certain subject over or ongoing? No, it's still, it's still ongoing. It's ongoing. In the story of Prophet Solomon, there was a man whom Allah said he had knowledge of the book. Was he a human or a jinn? He was a human. He was a human being. And his name was Asif ibn Balkhiyah. Is it true the Moroccan king descends from Ahlul Bayt? Yes, that's what they say. It's popularly said that he is from Ahlul Bayt. All right, let us now turn to the Wirt. Uh, if I can get my man Habib to open up the Wirt for us. We're going to recite a Wirt. Why do we do this? Because every Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr is a Sa'at Ijaba. It is a time where we should devote some time to Quran and Dhikr. Because the Prophet ﷺ made a special, made a heavy dua on Monday. He did not get the answer. On Tuesday, he did not get the answer. On Wednesday, he got the answer. And the companion who witnessed this, his name was Jabir ibn Abdullah. He said that from that time onward, anytime I had a need, I would make dua on Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr, and I would see a sign of the answer. So, but we don't go straight into dua like this. First, we do some dhikr. And we will recite some adhkar right here. This adhkar is not limited to Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr. It's a general adhkar. Uh, general, this, this dhikr that I'm reading is usually recited every Wednesday. Uh, every day after Dhuhr. 
and we will read it right now so that uh, we can soften our hearts a little bit from so much talk about the dunya and politics and all that stuff. And then, inshallah ta'ala, we will stay for, have a silent dua. Everyone will make dua silently, then we log off so that we can encourage ourselves uh, to be doing this, these athkar and doing this dhikr. Okay. La ilaha illallah al-malikul haqq rubin. 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 La ilaha illallah al-malikul La ilaha illallah al-malikul haqq mubin La ilaha illallah al-malikul haqq mubin La ilaha illallah al-malikul haqq mubin Bismillahirrahmanirrahim وكان عند الله وجيها وجيها في الدنيا وناخرة من المقربين وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والأرض بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب بشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كنوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم من الحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه السنة ونانهم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدع من خشية الله وتلك لم تأنوا نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح لهما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيذ نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشابدين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجني والإنس وأحذر عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماؤه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نهور أعدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كفي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وأعز سلطانك تحسنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسول الله والصالحين ونبعد الله حصنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم أحرسني بعنك التي لا تنام واكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام 
وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا اهلك وانت ثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل او نهار الا طارق يطرق بخير انك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذهب الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر السقم ولا ألم كفي وفي حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد واكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد وجعلني نور من نورك وعز من عزك ونصر من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييد من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شرك وليد شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهر وباطن على كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين إن شاء الله we pause here for dua
Oh, oh, oh.